Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore S-E-C. What a difference a week makes. Here we are. Co-host Will Miles joins me. You can find him on Twitter, at Will Miles S-E-C, and his site, Read and Reaction, on YouTube as well. We'll read and reaction. We'll read you those articles from read reaction, getting it to you in, 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 in video audio form. If you, if you, if you don't want to read it, but yeah, th- well, this, this last one wasn't easy. My friends, I said, what a difference a week makes. Uh, we get on here a week ago and we're elated and we're as happy as we can be. And a, and a week later, a little, little more somber. Yeah, I've been telling everybody from the beginning that this team's overrated. Look, I, I think it's been kind of fun to go into the chats and find all the people who've been doubters all year long. Right. Um, you know, when when uh, they were awfully quiet after the Utah game, and I suspect that what we're going to talk about tonight, especially, is that you know the team probably isn't as good as they should against Utah, probably isn't as bad as they should against Kentucky. And if you'd have told us back in March, April, or May that they'd be one-on-one with a close win and a close loss in these two games, and that they look competitive the entire time after the debacle we had last year, I think you would have been happy. The problem is is that the one and the one came in the wrong order, and so now you're unhappy from the standpoint of you're sitting there going, well, yeah, you got a non-conference win, but you would have rather had the conference win and, and all those sorts of things. But uh, look, I mean, Napier talked about it today. It's, it's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to get better. It's an opportunity to sort of recenter. And I don't think any of us expected Florida to win the national championship this year. We expected they were probably going to lose a couple of games that maybe they should have won. Hopefully they'll win some that they should have lost, and you know it'll sort of even even itself out at the end. But the over under for this team was seven games for a reason. It was that there was a enormous ceiling associated with Anthony Richardson. I think we saw that against Utah, 
I'm not sure we all anticipated the floor was going to be quite as low as it was against Kentucky, but uh, obviously that floor is pretty low too. And so that sine wave is going to have to even out a little bit if Richardson's going to lead Florida where we want him to go. But, you know, again, he is the best quarterback on the roster. He's the best quarterback on the roster last year. Um, and you got to ride with it. Now, if you, if you need somebody better, then you got to go recruit him. Right. But at this point, I'm he's the you, guy. You got to throw him out there and see what he's got. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. There has been some conversation. Oh, why don't you trot somebody else out there? Who are you trotting out there? I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, I understand he was struggling, yes. But you know what? He needs every rep, no matter if it's a struggling rep. <laughs> he needs to learn from the experience. And, I, I, and that's what we'll get into. I hope he learned a whole lot Saturday night, and then we can apply that versus USF and Tennessee coming up. You know, there's only two games we really need to worry about. I know we all get excited and kind of get in that uh, as well as looking forward, especially you get that big win versus Utah, Will, and it's like, Okay, well, how big can this thing get? Well, a week later, we realized we probably were looking a little too far ahead <laughs> after that big victory. But, yeah, there there has been this thought out there, and I've been asked by a few, you know, why didn't you try, you know, why didn't you try Kitna? And I'm like, he's not winning the game either. The AR needs the learning experience. And, you know, I said it on the podcast yesterday, and I'm not sitting here saying Anthony Richardson is Bryce Young, but I did want to see – is there that type of switch? You know, Bryce Young, go back to last year, his first year starting, you know, he got off to a really good start in Gainesville. So that one's kind of different. It was a close game, but it was a little different. But LSU game was a struggle. The Auburn game was a struggle. And then fourth quarter comes along, clutch moment comes along, and boom, there's a switch that's flipped, and he goes out there and performs. Granted, much better talent around him to go be able to do those type of things. But, you know, that's where – I think if you wanted to pull Anthony Richardson, if you wanted to try some, someone else, no, he needs that experience. He, we, we, you know, we needed to see if there was a switch, if there was a clutch moment, and he needed that experience. Either, either way it went, he needed to be in there in those late games to get you know, the reps and, and, and the experience in that game clutch moment situation. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of things you can come away from this front with. I mean, look, Florida was an inconsistent team last year, and that cropped up in a lot of different ways. And I think we look at the discipline specifically and maybe the lack of really improvement on the disciplinary side in terms of penalties on kickoffs and and false starts and, and turnovers and all those sorts of things in the Utah game. Like, there were a lot of things there that I think we sort of overlooked that kept that game closer than it probably should have been. And then you get into the Kentucky game and all those things start to rear their ugly heads. Now, obviously, you know, the interceptions that are deep in your own territory, whether they're a pick six or whether it ends up pinning the defense at the six-yard line, both of those, I mean, essentially Florida gave them 14 points mm. and really 17 when you consider that Napier um, essentially gave them a field goal there at the end. They only scored 26. So I think there's some good things to take from this game, yeah. but I think you got to also look at it and say, all right, we're not satisfied with where mm. things are, nor should you be. Um you know, the, the three starts Anthony Richardson's made, the, the team has averaged 15 points a game when he's been in there. He's got as many tackles as he's got touchdowns. Um, that That's a problem <laughs> when he's just started quarterback. And he's now got two stink bombs and one good game, right? And so the question is going to be, and I think – it was during the broadcast, they specifically alluded to this, like they wanted to see how he was going to respond. And obviously, I don't think the response was what we all wanted to see. But now we get to see that same thing now that he's had an opportunity to take a step back, take a deep breath, look at the film and now come back out against a lesser opponent. And I think that's the one thing I think if Jack Miller had been available uh, there, there's there's an argument to be said that you take him out for a series, that you sit yeah. him down on the sideline, that you let him calm down, that you you make it clear that it's not all on him. And then you put him back out there because, Hey, like we are going to need you to take you to where we need to go. 
And you even saw it in the Utah game. Like Napier specifically said, go win the game for me. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be this season for Florida is they're going to need Anthony Richardson to go out there and win the game for him in a few different instances. In this game, he couldn't do it. Whether he's up to that challenge when they play excellent teams or not is is one is is a question. But I do think it's important. And I've got I've got an article coming out tomorrow that's going to look at this a little bit. But I think it's important to note that the three starts that he's had have all been against teams that at one point or another have been in the top 10, right? Like the, the national champion, Georgia Bulldogs, a top 10 team likely with Utah who absolutely smoked their opponent this weekend. And then Kentucky, who's going to end up in that general range. They'll get spanked by Georgia. But other than that, you look at their schedule and maybe they get beat by Tennessee or something like that. But it's a, it's a solid, solid top 25 team. Those are the three guys, he's three teams he started against. Where's the experience come where he's gotten a middle Tennessee state or an Eastern Washington or a USF and those sorts of things that was sparing last year, right? He went in, he absolutely lit up USF for like six plays. And then they brought Emory Jones back in to throw two or three interceptions. And that's sort of the way last year went this year. He's going to get those reps. And so the question is going to be, can you take those reps with USF? Can you take the reps against Eastern Washington? And can you take those things and apply those lessons to when you go on the road to play Tennessee or when you've got LSU coming to the swamp or even Georgia and Jacksonville, you know, how does that progress? And, and that's, that's what we're going to be watching for. We're going to be looking for progression and we're going to be looking for, you know, just a decrease in the sine wave. Like, I don't think we need him to be, you know, 80 yards mm -hmm. anytime he touches the ball, Anthony Richardson, but we can't have him be two interceptions that cost you 14 points when you're up by, you know, when you're up by nine in, in a game that quite honestly, if Florida had just run the ball the rest of the time when it was 16 to seven, they probably win. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get into more of that uh, specifically for Richardson. Uh, we'll mention the, the three starts so far. Uh, and look, it was going to be it, it was not going to be easing into his first couple of starts and season with Utah and Kentucky uh, back to back, kind of going to Will's point there. No, no easy, uh, no easy start there for Richardson. So we'll get into all that uh, and also where the kind of team is uh, right now. Before we get there, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Really, really helps us out on this YouTube version. Helps more people out there find Gators Breakdown. Check us out at the home of Gators Breakdown, newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Even more coverage uh, right there from the News for Jack Sports team. And Gators Breakdown Plus, get a link to that Discord server. Conversation, really good conversation today, by the way. Just kind of where are we at? What changes do we want to see? A lot of that good conversation going on there in the Discord. So, all right, let's get started. Of course, every Monday, Billy Napier meets with the media. And let's get with him right now and kind of the um, – on the, the, the learning experience right now with this loss to Kentucky. When you're presented with challenges and adversity in life, I think that there, there's opportunity. And it's important that we operate in truth, um, that we keep it technical. You know, when you try to help the players maintain perspective. Um, and I think that it's very important that you take full advantage of the things that come with an experience like this. Gives you a chance to recenter uh, and certainly evaluate where you're at as a team. Um, so, you know, it's important to adjust, to adapt, to evolve. Uh, and certainly, I've seen just in a few days here, this group is sticking together. There's a certain loyalty that comes with this game. Uh, and I love how this group wants to do their job for the team, they want to do it better for the team. So, you know, I think the big focus for our team is to get consumed with improvement. Consumed with improvement, Will, and that's 
you know, kind of, kind of, we saw improvement on one side of the ball <laughs> when you go and look at it. Uh, kept Florida in the game, uh, as we kind of alluded to earlier there. But look, I guess, you know, looking at the whole picture, as he said, you know, kind of going, it reset in a way. Um, we know it wasn't going to be an easy, instant fix. Try to warn against that uh, in, in transition. Kind of been a theme. Uh, you know, I, I picked Florida to go about nine and three there. Uh, but, you know, it was, uh, it was uh, not an in- just because a new coach comes in doesn't mean everything that was going wrong is instantly going to fix itself. You know, we see that all the time uh, with, with, with new coaches. But uh, look, there's a reason change was made, of course, and I'll admit, I, I got caught up in it a bit a week ago after the big victory over Utah. A lot of people did, you know. So, uh, and kind of, Will, going to one of your point, you know, I, I don't expect Heisman-level play uh, out of AR each and every game, but I certainly did not see that coming. As you said, the, the floor – I didn't see that floor at all. I was like, okay, if AR is going to have a bad game, it's not going to look like what it did Saturday night. I didn't, I didn't see that come at all. It'd be just a, a ho-hum game. You probably, if the game kind of plays out the same way as it did Saturday night, you probably a game you win anyway. But no, it was that, that, that was that was bad. But all in all, you know, there's not enough talent on the roster to overcome uh, too many bad days like that. And look, that's not a moment to take a, a shot at the last staff, but just more of a realization how difficult it's going to be when you have that type of play. One and one those first couple games these first couple games, Will, as you said, many would have taken that a few months ago. Played two good teams. Now, where you hate is the perceived step back where there was supposed to be improvement. The old adage, improvement from game one to game two. Defense did. Offense took a step back. Uh, but like Newton Napier says, it's about a, kind of a response now, responding now. A week ago, probably as you said, an overreaction to how good Florida is. This week, probably be some overreaction to how bad Florida is. Still early. Still figure out where some things are going as we move along here through this season. Transition isn't easy. Well, here's the crazy thing, man. It's two games. It's already been a roller coaster. <laughs> we've had a high and a really, really high. And we've had a low and a really, really low. But, of course, learn, adjust, adapt, evolve. Uh, as Napier said, you know, th- this team doesn't have to stay where they're at now. A lot of growth can, will happen. Hopefully that means wins when it all is said and done. We've seen the good. We've seen the bad. And with that, we've seen uh, we, from, from this team and others, we, we, you've seen good and bad from, from some t- other teams out there. Still, the, only the Georgia game uh, looks unattainable right now we, we, when you're going through two weeks for the, for, for the Gators. A lot of work to do and more than we wanted to believe a week ago. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'd much rather be Florida than Texas A&M right now mm-hmm. from, from the standpoint of where that fan base is. Like, Napier and Anthony Richardson are not trending on Twitter the same way Jimbo Fisher is. Fine bombs taking some shots today, and it's been kind of entertaining. And certainly I'd rather be Florida than Nebraska, that's for sure, right? Yeah. Florida almost wound up Nebraska because, you know, Scott Frost was interviewed for the for the position back a while, you know, a while ago. But uh, I, I think the, the big thing is is that Florida got away from who they are Mm-hmm. When they went out in this game, and you could tell early on, like the first quarter, they wound up with, uh, you know, they wound up with five rushing attempts, nine pass attempts. Anthony Richardson was off, but you shouldn't know whether Anthony Richardson's off. And the, there, there was no reason that they had to throw the ball that much. And yeah, you can talk about what 
what Kentucky's doing in terms of having a spine, in terms of loading the box and all those sorts of things. And some of that is true. Yeah. But the reality is if you're willing to run your quarterback, you will have a numbers. It will at least be even numbers, even if the other team loads the box. And if they decide to really load it to where they're going to cover zero, well, now you just tell Richardson to pop it up there and throw it five yards short to his, you know, to his wide receiver and let the guy go get it. So I agree that that Mark Stoops did a nice job in terms of what he was doing. I think he kind of baited them into what they wanted to do. But you got to yeah. support Richardson. And the thing that I the thing that I struggle with is if you look at Richardson's time in that Georgia game, they've had twenty one runs and twenty three passes when he started that game in his time. So they threw the ball more than they ran it, and that was way before they were behind because that game was three nothing for like until the last two minutes of the first half. And then you look at the Utah game, 39 rush, 24 passes. Now, granted, 11 of those were, were Richardson's, but still, 39 rush, 24 pass. Again, a close game, so you can do that. And this one, Florida was ahead the entire time until the pick six. 30 rush, 35 pass. And it was like that the entire game. It wasn't like, oh, in the fourth quarter, they all of a sudden chucked the ball around 17 mm-hmm. times with one run and it, and it skews those numbers. They did not help their quarterback in the way in which they need to because of the limitations that he has. And I got to be honest, if he's got this in him, they've seen it in practice. Yes. So they know, right. so, yeah. so they know that this is a possibility or at least know that something like this is a possibility. And to it put will it out there and basically. And, and, and to go along before that, before we get too far from your original point with the Kentucky and the play calling. I hate to bring it up, but it, it it stuck in my mind. Did the same thing in 18 Mullins' first game versus Kentucky. They, they, let, they let France come out and throw the ball way too much, and you should have been relying on the run game, helping your quarterback out. I don't know what it is. These Florida head coaches going against Mark Stoops, and they fall right into what he wants them to do. Well, and and it's not as though you got the receivers to to really make a <laughs> right. difference there when, yeah. you're, when you're throwing downfield either. Now there were guys who were open, open yeah, but but still, I mean. I, so there is no excuse for for Richardson's play. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. And you know whether you measure it with QB rating, whether you measure it with you know EPA, all of that they don't stuff. Matter, yeah. he, he, <laughs> he is the reason they lost the game. But I think to to come out and say he's peaked, or to come out and say that you know oh well he's not that great, completely ignores the fact that he's the reason they won the Utah game. <laughs> From the standpoint of like if they don't have, if they don't have Anthony Richardson there at quarterback dominating that game, Cam Rising played really really well. Anthony Richardson outplayed him in that game. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and that's not to take anything away from the Florida run game that game either. That you know Florida was in that game probably because of the run game. They won that game because of Anthony Richardson. Well, I mean, and part of that run game was Anthony Richardson. Yeah, true. Right? So yes. so it, it's it's all part and parcel in terms of the the different things that you look at. So. I mean, I think you can be critical of Richardson. I think you should be critical of Richardson. I think he should have played better. I think there are things you can do to help him in way. Like, did you see anything to a running back? Did you see any sort of screen pass? Did you see anything that other than the screens out wide where the, the wide receivers weren't blocking very well? Um, and they tried to get Bo, the, Bo, the, the transfer Bowman on that end around. That was about the only – I guess, quote-unquote, creative call if you want to go that way. Well, you didn't see any misdirection. Mm-mm. They didn't roll him out right and throw left. And if you look, it's really interesting. I looked at his his, his explosive throws last year. Five of them came to Jacob Copeland, and Copeland was almost always, except for the one right down the, uh, right down the sideline against LSU for the last touchdown, almost all of those throws were deep to the left. And so there's an opportunity here to roll him to the right and then throw back to the left. You're going to get one-on-one coverage, or at least you're going to get an opportunity to maybe throw it away from the safety. It's a throw where even if he overthrows it by five yards, okay, you just go back and sort of reset. But if you hit it, what happens to his confidence? If you hit it, you're in field goal range. Like There just wasn't anything, any creativity that really 
allowed him to get out of the pocket and take a shot. And it wasn't as though Kentucky was just like immediately in and, and causing him to run around and getting pressure. That was the thing that was so frustrating. Usually when a quarterback puts up a stink bomb like this, it's because he's getting he's getting pressured. Mm-hmm. And you know, against Georgia, you could make the right. you could make the case that he was getting pressured. They were bringing blitzes from all over the place. He got tricked on a on his own blitz, turned in the first interception. He essentially did the exact same thing that he did in this game and threw the ball to Nicobe Dean. In the, in the George game, I mean, this, this pick six was bad. <laughs> like, this one was bad. Everyone saw it coming before he even released the ball. My wife actually laughed at me because I said, oh, no, before he even hit it the back foot and, and went to throw it. She's like, wow, like, you saw that quick. Like, well, <laughs> I've seen that coming. But again, <laughs> I, I told you afterwards, like, I remember essentially making that exact same noise in a spring game in, I think mm-hmm. it was 18 or 19, Nin- where 19. Trask threw yep. 19, where Trask threw one to Huggins and Huggins took it the other way. And like, you're just like, oh, you can't make that throw. And Richardson's going through that right now. So um, is he as bad as he showed against Kentucky? No. Is he as good as he showed against Utah? Probably not. And I think what you're looking at is a guy who's probably going to end up middle of the pack in the SEC. If this this happens and what you want is you don't want it to ping pong. Right. And then maybe he can take a leap the last half of the year. Maybe he can take a leap going into next year. Certainly, I think this this one is going to stick in NFL scouts minds for a long time. And we probably have Anthony Richardson back next year. Um, Well, that's a good thing or a bad thing probably depends on his development. But I think that's you're not going to be able to get this one off the tape. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think Saturday is what we're going to be getting out of Anthony Richardson. Now, like you said, we'll we'll have to see and. You know, is the Utah game more of an, in, an indication of what we'll see? Hopefully, but man, it's uh, it, there is more of a question through two games now of what Anthony Richardson we're going to get uh, yeah, as, the, this, the, as the season. The other thing I'll say is, well, the other thing I'll say is that we have not seen this when he's been out there in other games. Yeah. And you you could tell, I had it in my article, there there was a real hesitation there in the third and fourth quarter because of some of the mistakes that have been made already. And, you know, that's going to be the question is, can can he get those ghosts out of his head yeah. when he goes out there the next time? Mm-hmm. And Emory Jones couldn't do it. I mean, you would see Emory Jones make one mistake last year and then everything would go downhill. In fact, if I were to look at the games, I would, I would bet that Florida went down and did something pretty successful on the first drive of just about every game last year. And then the offense just completely stunk from then on out after a mistake was made or something got screwed up or those sorts of things. And I felt that again in this game. It was one of those things where like he throws the interception right at the end of the first half and everything switches. Now, you can also make the argument that if anybody knew what a roughing the passer was and and you know they had called the play on Dean properly that Florida gets out of that with just a field goal at 16 to 9 or 16 to 10 and you're feeling at least okay the pick six makes it 17 to 16 maybe you try to run it a little bit more in that case than you would otherwise being down a touchdown um, but I, I look at this and say it's a, it's a system failure when it comes to the coaching. I, I thought the coaching was horrendous, both from a game plan perspective and the fourth down conversions that that Napier went for, especially the second one. I thought was just awful from a game management perspective. And uh, you know, if you don't have enough confidence in your in your defense that's stopping them, and your quarterback to make a play that requires some length of time, then you got to get a different quarterback in there. And that's the only place where I would say you know you you do make a change is if you sit there and make decisions that are bad that you wouldn't make otherwise, then you make a change. Yeah, and I even uh, I detailed a few runs uh, last time as we said you know on offense you should be di- dictating not dictated, and that's happened way too much against Mark Stoops. But Will, I mean, you know, shared uh, I wanted to go back and look at some of the successful runs Florida had and. Oh, you can't run when there's this many guys in the box. 
Yeah, you can. And Florida did it in this exact game and had <laughs> success doing it. So, yes, you can run against the stack box. And, look, that's been uh, Napier's MO, too, back to Louisiana. So, hey, look, it's um, – you know, was Kentucky giving, giving him the pass? Yeah. Was there some confidence maybe that he could get it done? Probably coming into the game. But once it was kind of trending that way, you know, that's when the adjustment should have been made, uh, leaning on those running backs a bit more, I think. Uh, discussed that yesterday, if you missed yesterday's episode, uh, you know, de- detailing, looking back at the game, uh, went into a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, some things uh, that should have changed too. But, Will, just kind of overall, you know, after last week, you know, if I was saying Florida 9-3, and three, instead of leaning in the 8-4 and four way, I was like, okay, well, if things break, if things break a certain way. Coming into the season, I was – all right, well, I lean more eight. It, I, I'm stuck at nine and three, but if things go one way or the other, I was more eight and four than I was 10 and two. Okay, then Florida beats Utah. I was like, okay, well, things break the right way. Now it's more likely 10 and two instead of eight and four. I'm probably now back to that. <laughs> if, if things go the other way, you know, that, that going back down to eight and four could be an overreaction. I hope it is, but I have no clue, you know, where the kind of direction Florida goes uh, from here. Florida should be two and one after Saturday in USF. Uh, then the trip to Tennessee, uh, beat, beat Tennessee. You know, beat, if you beat Tennessee, the rest of the season still sets up really nice for Florida. But I hate look that far ahead. But, of course, it's, it's going to happen. You start picking ahead a bit. We knew these first two games would tell us a lot. We know more than we did, but I'm okay saying I'm not sure what it still means for the rest of the season. You had a good win week one. That was a really good win. What I still think is a very good Utah team. You cannot take that away from Florida, and you cannot take this past Saturday away from Florida. That was ugly. So I don't know where Florida is right now. It's only two games. There's still a lot to figure out. Um, and look, that'll be my response. To It's wait and see before we can project a lot of positive or a lot of negative in, in, in which way this goes. How much will they learn? How much will all the trust and the, the culture goes? And all that stuff can be good. Florida can learn a lot. There can be a lot of trust. The culture is certainly better at Florida. Still doesn't mean Florida's going to go out there and go, you know, one loss the rest of the season, Will. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what we learned from this game. We learned that Florida can't beat anybody on their schedule if they're going to get a stink bomb like this. Correct. And so and so, you have a quarterback who goes out and plays – you know, worse than Treon Harris did in some of those games back in what 15 and 16. And and that's gonna be an issue because you don't have Muschamp's defense backing him up like like they did in some of those years when when Harris was playing. And so look, it, you're gonna have to optimize what you do elsewhere. And I think that's gonna be one of the places where they where they make some mm-hmm. hopefully make some adjustments. You know, the, there's an opportunity here to maybe run some speed options mm-hmm. where you put the ball in Richardson's hands instead of making him make the RPO decision. You can make him make the pitch or keep decision but at least he's already committed to to running so you might run some speed option that way i think they have to evaluate the running back room i mean I, i've said it all offseason that you know i hope i'm wrong about naquan Wright, but he's now got 160 carries at florida he's averaging 3.9 yards per attempt that's a problem and you look at the game against utah he averaged 3.9 yards per attempt etn averaged 12.8 johnson averaged 6.3 hey you know, we'll, we'll, 
Okay, and, and before you go here, you had mentioned, I want to go back to something you said before, get creative, maybe using the running back side of the backfield. If you won't right on the field, okay, then use him in, uh, you know, in, in, in a passing attack. But well, in their defense, they did try they that. On, yes, yep, yeah, yeah. I, know, that I know where you're going. There, I know where you're going. But you know what I mean. At, you know, using yeah, yeah out of the backfield, not take him out wide as a, the widest receiver on the field, and, and, and take that you know, and, and take that route. But you know, use him as a pass catcher out of the backfield. That's what we've known Naquan right to be you know, used as, as as an advantage. But yeah, go, going to your point, and I spoke on this yesterday. Yeah, the running back room should definitely be evaluated. Well, I mean, so to finish my thought, he had eight for 24, so three yards per carry against Kentucky, 5.1 for ETN, 8.9 for Johnson. Obviously, now Johnson's zaded by the 40-yard run, but you can't take away the 40-yard run. Like, that's an important play to have 40-yard runs, to have explosive plays. So you've now got two guys who are averaging somewhere around nine yards per rush, I would guess, is where those guys end up, and Wright's averaging 3.5, and is – the offensive line isn't changing. The quarterback isn't changing, but the performance at each of those, at each of those levels. So Johnson's averaging 7.2 and, and uh, ETN's averaging 7.9 and Wright's at 3.5 and they all have about equivalent carries. Like, I'm sorry that that's, that's the reality. And you got ETN has two catches. Johnson has two catches and Wright doesn't have any. And so to your point, like you got to put your, put your guys in position to succeed. Same thing when you start talking about the tight end position, right? You got Keon Zipper has three catches. Xanders has one. We heard all off season about how tight ends were going to be a huge part of this offense. And that, you know, we've, we've talked extensively about tight ends being security blankets for, for quarterbacks. I mean, it's great when you've got a guy like Kyle Pitts out there, but you know, if you're going to play cover too, guys have to go down the middle. If you're going to play zone, there's going to be spaces for the tight ends to be open. The fact that those guys have four catches total for the year, again, suggests that um, you know, just suggests you've gotten away from the things that you sort of, um, you know, that, that 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 had built that you that you built your system on, right? That and maybe that's because of injuries. Maybe that's because of guys at the particular at the particular positions. But then you got to put the best guys in the position to do to do what you need to do. So. Um, I don't know. It's frustrating. I mean, it's, yeah. it's frustrating to sit there and look at it. It's frustrating to score, you know, 16 points. And, uh, you know, they only had one real touchdown drive, right? Because the other yeah. touchdown drive was a turnover. So deep in deep in Kentucky territory that, you know, Brenton Cox played a hell of a game. And uh, Dexter gets the interception off of what probably should be a sack for, for Cox. And then, uh, and then they turn that into a touchdown. They get the safety right after that. So, you know, the offense only really accounted for, for six points, I guess, because they had the two-point conversion. So, you know, no touchdowns for the offense in a game. That, that's going to be a problem no matter what's going on. Well, it's a tricky, tricky uh, thought here. The chat's going on it. Um, we've seen it on Twitter. Um, play calling. Um, plays were there in the first half. Uh, if if your quarterback hits the throws, there were plenty of plays. Now, I do think as the game got on – once the struggle set in, play calling did become more of a question. But play calling in the first half, play calling was good enough in the first half where Florida could have pulled away in that game. As you mentioned, when you were up, you had the safety, you go, you hit. I mean, first, I mean, first of all, like I said, the first few drives, you had hit some big plays. There was no consistency there. You couldn't hit. You'd hit one big play and then nothing would happen. It was, you know, one big play a drive and that would be about it. Uh, but there were plays there. Richardson just you know, threw too hard, either missed a read, missed a receiver altogether uh, on a throw. Play calling was there to me early until they figured out Richardson couldn't. And then, then like you said, kind of then as we're going, kind of the adjustments being made. You know, the screens to Henderson, I'm just not a fan of. I, there's nothing special there. You and I have kind of talked back and forth. Justin Shorter, an issue there blocking a, a bit, but 
to help make up for that. I don't think Henderson is the guy out there to get anything going in that screen game. Um, leaning should have been leaning on the running backs more part of the play calling too as the game went on I do think it was good enough to begin with but then didn't become an issue as the game went on yeah I mean so it wasn't just Richardson who struggled I think that's the thing I, mean, I should have said that too you're right Richardson is the most obvious place to look at and say he struggled because the stats are clear and because you can see him airmail a guy who's wide open right down the center and you can see him not throw the ball out to Pearsall when he's in the flat and then hesitate and then chuck the ball into the stands and you can see the god awful big six interception that goes the other way the first interception that was a heck of a play by the Kentucky defensive yeah. end. You'd like to see him sort of, you know, throw it sidearm or, or loft it over his head or yeah. something like that. But it, honestly, that ball gets knocked down, you know, nine times out of 10, maybe even 99 out of 100, doesn't turn into an interception. Florida punts, it's it's 16 to 7 at the half, and nobody's saying anything. Instead, it's 16 to 14, also because of the roughing the passer penalty that puts him at the one. And, uh, you know, it's a completely different ball game because of that. And, um, you know, that, that's that's just the way it is, right? I mean, at, at the end of the day, I don't think that's something that I look at and go, oh, that's terrible. But the, the stuff that I look at is, you know, Aguacan got driven back a lot on the interior line. There's one specific play. They gave it to Naquan Wright. And, you know, as much mm -hmm. as, as hard as I went after Naquan Wright a few minutes ago, he can't do anything when his offensive lineman gets shoved right back into him on a, on a, on a third down play. Um, and, and also, again, Early. any misdirection there when, mm -hmm. when you know you're losing up front. Early, Ethan White struggled, though then he goes out with an injury. you got Tarquin goes out with an injury. All of a sudden, you're shuffling on the offensive line. So you've got a quarterback who's struggling. You've got a running game that's not quite as efficient as it was before. And then Kentucky could smell blood in the water, and, and that was really sort of you know, when they went after it. You think about the, the first fourth down play where they tried to throw, was it a slant to Frazier's? Was that what they went, mm -hmm. went with on that one? Just completely blanketed, right? No, completely blanketed. And I watched that play before we came on. The other three receivers on the other side. Now, look, Richardson was going there. It was one on one up top. That was the read. That's where he was going. But the other three receivers on the other side, they were all running into each other. This, I mean, I don't, I don't know what was going on there on the other side. But yeah, it was. Well, so again, <sighs> I, I think, I think, I think. <laughs> look, one of the things that is required is everyone and this this is true whenever a quarterback's struggling you need other people to step up and if it's just a confidence thing if one guy makes a play then all of a sudden there's some confidence that starts to breed itself and starts to build and, and things get better the one thing i will so that's the player side of it I, you you asked about play calling and the thing that i would say is that florida has so many tendencies now that are just obvious to anyone who's watched any of the film on louisiana the spring game, or now two games that Florida has, that third and short, they're going to fake, roll Richardson out, and throw to the tight end going in the flat. Like, they run that flood, and that flood is what they run every single time they get in that situation. And, you know, hey, I, I said that 99 out of 100 times that Kentucky linebacker doesn't make that interception, but he was there, he was there. because he knew that play was coming because they, they anticipate he's going to crash to try to stop the running back. Nobody's crashing anymore. And so you're going to have to find some adjustments off of that. What are those adjustments going to be? Because you clearly have a tendency that I'm picking up. And if I'm picking it up, you know Mark Stoops, who's spending hundreds of hours studying film before he comes in, is picking it up. It's something you ran consistently and repeatedly in the spring game. And it does give you a numbers advantage if you run it right. But if the other team knows what you're running, you're in trouble. And that, I think, is the place where the play calling starts to become something that you start to question, where you go, hey, look, like there's nothing that I've seen in the last two games that is 
different than what I've seen when watching Louisiana tape, when watching the spring game, or really when watching either of these two games for Florida. It's the same thing over and over and over again. At some point, you're going to have to make some adjustments because this isn't the Sun Belt. You don't have more talent than everybody who's going out there. Kentucky has recruited at a pretty high level. Now, I'm not saying Kentucky has more talent than Florida. But, but they have the, the talent has been close enough where if you have a bad day, <laughs> that, that's, yeah. that's what you get. Well, and this wasn't a bad day. This was an apocalypse. Yes. And yes. so, again, I look at it, and this is one of the And I do want to give I, credit to Kentucky because this is the second year in a row. This same type of quarterback success running, coming into the game, Kentucky comes in, a lot of cover three mostly, zone, and their eyes are in the backfield making sure the quarterback has nowhere to go. I mean, look, I think you got to give Kentucky the the – I think you have to give Kentucky all the credit in the world because they came in and took advantage and forced Richardson and Florida into doing things that they didn't want to do and then were able to make him uncomfortable and and make him turn in the, the performance that he turned in. At the same time, I think you also can look at the Florida staff and say, what could you have done to get him out of that rut? What could you have done to just be different and get things moving? And, you know, but that falls on everybody because one of the things I think is interesting is if you look at 10 plus yard plays um, in the Utah game, they had 24 passes, nine of them went for 10 plus yards. So 38% of the time. And that dropped way off. That dropped to 20%, seven out of 35. But really, what that probably means is he missed about six throws, which sounds about right when I think about it, right? He probably missed about six throws overall. Those throws mean first downs, those throws mean extended drives. But then you look at the Florida running game. And in the game against Utah, they had 10, 10 plus plays and 37 rushes. So 27% of the time, they only had four in 30 rushes in this game. So 13.3% of the time. So that means there were four or five run plays that they're missing compared to the Utah game. Now, certainly some of those might be on Anthony Richardson, but Richardson was only responsible for two 10 plus running plays against Utah. So what that really tells you is that the running game wasn't all that great either. And certainly, yes, Kentucky can condense, Kentucky can come down, Kentucky can dare you, but it's not like they took a bunch of deep shots. So the question I have is, did they not take deep shots because they didn't have any confidence in Anthony Richardson? Or are, were they just not able to get the running game started the way they thought they were going to, which is how you end up in a bunch of third and threes, third and fours, third and fives. And Richardson just was not good enough in this game to convert those. Whereas, you know, the last couple of drives against Utah, they converted a lot of those. And, and you know, that, that was the difference in the game. I mean, the difference in the game was if Florida had just gotten average quarterback play, they went easily. But at the same time, if you need to pick up a quarterback who's scuffling like that, it's going to have to come from somewhere, and the problem is the running game just didn't come up big either. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at uh, you're talking about going deep, and the funny thing is, Richardson's best pass of the game is the not the best decision now, but the best pass of the game was the throwing it between two Kentucky defenders to Henderson on the sideline when Shorter is running wide open, deep, and it looks like Richardson sees him, but decides to go to the shorter route to Henderson anyway. And, you know, that was later on in the game, I think third or fourth drive at that point. So, you know, yeah, the, 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 there was a deep pass there, and it looks like Richardson decided. Now, I mean, it was, there was nobody in front of Shorter. I mean, it was, would have been just a lofted up easy. And I don't know if he's off to the races because he's not that fast, but it's a big game nonetheless. But there was, no, there was nobody behind Shorter, uh, and he decides to go short anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, I think what we saw is that 
um, everyone's composure went out the window. Yeah. And I think it's really, it's really hard for me to criticize Richardson. I know people are going to say, oh, he's played quarterback his whole life and, you know, he should be able to, to make the adjustments and all this sort of stuff. And, and those things are all legitimate and probably should be true. But the one thing that we should probably talk about is Billy Napier panicked there in the fourth quarter. Like, it, I don't think that there is no statistical justification for going for that fourth down when they're at like their own 24. Um, you can you can make some arguments based on NFL numbers that you don't really decrease your your winning percentage, but you might give yourself a better shot if you get the first down there. But in college, where the numbers are very very different in terms of fourth down conversions, I don't think that's true. And then the other thing is, is given how Florida's offense was performing, I don't think that's true. And so you combine all of those things, and I, I think there's you know there's no chart in the world he should have had that says yeah you go for that. And then when you can, when you consider that the offense is, is struggling the way it is now, I like that he came out and said, I'd do it again. Cause one of the things that bothered me about Scott Frost was after he screwed up a, a call <laughs> on an onside kick a couple of weeks ago, he came out and was like, yeah, if I had to do it again, I wouldn't do it. Napier actually talked about that today, right? That you got to look at the process, not the results when you're trying to look at this sort of stuff. So, and that's actually the thing I, I worry about when it comes to this game, more so than Richardson, to be honest with you is the process of why did they have a game plan centered around him throwing the ball against Kentucky mm -hmm. instead of just pounding it and seeing if they could stop it? Why did they go for it on those fourth downs? The first one I think is defensible. Again, I think if you use NFL numbers, it actually is the right call. I think if you use college numbers, which honestly that's what you should use, right? <laughs> if you use college numbers, I think it's much less defensible. But irrespective of that one, the first fourth down, okay. The second one was just like, all right, screw it. And then he didn't use his timeouts. After you know, Kentucky got like a one yard gain after they turned the ball over and he didn't call a timeout. So the game was over the minute he decided not to do that. So if you're going to make that fourth down call, then you got to use the timeouts. If Kentucky runs out the clock, Kentucky runs out the clock. But give yourself three, four minutes, whatever it is, after they kick the field goal to try to go down the field. Because what happened is, is they bled the clock. You called your timeouts with a minute and a half left. They kicked the field goal, and then you the clock runs out while you're trying to drive down the field. You had no shot at winning that game at that point. So you know, was Florida going to win that game? No. But if you want to talk about process as opposed to results, I, I think I'm more concerned with the process that Napier had towards the end of that game than I am with Richardson. Richardson, I think, is going to be okay. Um, I, I think, obviously, this is a stink bomb. I think there will be critics, and there should be critics after a game like this. And especially when you factor in the Georgia game and this game with the Utah game sandwiched in between. He's been bad in two out of his three starts, and I don't think you can ignore that. At the same time, I think that there is obviously room for growth and I don't think he's as bad as he showed the other day. And so, you know, we'll, we'll start, um, we'll evaluate that, but let's evaluate it on the process. And, and is, is the process that Napier is going to put in place to maximize Richardson's development is, is that sound? Cause that's really what we should be looking at the rest of the year. Yeah. Well, I did look and I'll put him up here. Richardson's uh, stats do three starts here. And fair enough, going back to Georgia last year, you know, just, just a comparison, uh, there, but you know, yards per attempt not all that high versus Georgia and Utah, Kentucky a little bit higher. Of course, doesn't really amount to anything. Uh, passing touchdowns, nothing there yet. Only the three touchdown rushing versus Utah, so no passing touchdowns yet. Four interceptions uh, to go along with it, uh, and then of course you see the difference there in the Utah game. <laughs> nine point six yards of carry, eleven rushes, hundred and six yards. But you know Georgia last year, nine rushes, forty yards, six rushes versus Kentucky. 
uh, for four yards there. So you start looking at conference play. Look, as I said, the Georgia game a lot. We've, we've discussed it. Probably not fair, uh, but just a, a, a comparison here as we look at his first start compared to where he's at in the two uh, this year so far. But yeah, well, their comparison. I know you've looked at numbers, but anything basic there uh, catch your eye. I mean, also just you know, so far this year. And you had mentioned it, but in the two games, two and nine on passes, what they consider deep, 20-plus yards, two and nine, uh, 52 yards, so uh, nothing special there. But, uh, you know, taking a look at uh, his three starts here, definitely need to see, you know, these are power five teams. Two two of them are SEC teams. uh, Did do so very well versus Utah last week. You see it up there and and compare the stats, but – Two SEC teams so far, Will, and uh, not pretty results yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the problem is the turnovers, obviously. Yeah. And I think the problem is the rushing yards, right? I mean, six for four ain't getting the job done when you're a dual-threat quarterback. And and that's that's just the reality. And um, I think your 10.2 yards per attempt is probably wrong there because it's more like five points something oh, yep. in, in, the, in the game there against Kentucky. Um, look, he's been, he was bad against Georgia. He was bad against Kentucky. And whatever excuses you want to make, look, he's a starting quarterback for the Florida Gators. The criticism comes with it. You're going to have to get better. He was excellent against Utah. And so the question that I think we all looked at Georgia and said, ah, it was his first start. He wasn't ready. He got thrust into it. He hadn't gotten all the reps. He had an injured knee, all yada, 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 right? So then the Utah game comes, and you're like, hey, like this is somebody who, you know, potentially dark horse Heisman. That was, a, that was an excellent performance. And then the Kentucky game comes in, and it's a thud. And the problem is we have three data points. And as anybody knows, and let's say we throw out the Georgia data point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's fair to probably throw that one Correct. in. Correct. Um, in terms of evaluating him as a starting quarterback, because we know he wasn't really getting all the reps that week. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of reasons to maybe to maybe say, hey, let, let's throw that one out. But you can't draw straight lines with two data points. Like, you can. I mean, you can continuously draw a straight line, but it doesn't tell you anything about the trend. So one of the things you got to look at is you got to look at what happens over time. And, look, if we looked at performances for Felipe Franks in 2017, we would have said, oh, God, like, don't start him again in 2018. In fact, I think a lot of us said that when Dunn Mullen decided to start him in 2018, and Franks was a lot better. Now, was Franks fantastic? No. But did Franks have the ceiling that Richardson did? No. And, and so I think there are a couple of things at work here, and the question is – is it acceptable for a player to play like this? No, it's not acceptable. But there are a few things at work. One is who are you going to replace him with? Two is does he have a ceiling that you think can get you to a place where where you want to be? Maybe. And then the question is how consistent can he be? And you know, I mentioned I got an article coming out. What, what do you think Joe Burrow when he when he played against Florida, Georgia, and Alabama his first year? Hmm. What do you think his completion percentage was in those three games? Because those were two two teams that wound up ranked seventh in the country in 2008. So Florida and Georgia both wound up ranked seventh. They were tied, mm-hmm. and Alabama wound, wound up second, lost the national championship game. What, what do you think his completion percentage was? Let's go 55 percent. Fifty-two point five. What do you think? It, what do you think his uh, yards per attempt was? Eight yards. Hold on, I gotta actually hit the divide because <laughs> this is high quality stuff. Five point eight. Oh, what do you think? What do you think his touchdown interception ratio? I'm was? giving him too much credit here. All right, he threw. He had a one interception versus Brad Stewart. Uh, let's add three to that. Let's go. Uh, four picks, two touchdowns. Zero touchdowns, three interceptions. <laughs> QB rating of ninety-five point three. So. When you have a guy who has an enormous amount of ability, and I am not saying Anthony Richardson is going to be Joe Burrow, 
But and hey, wait, hold, 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 hold on now. You were so right about Joe Burrow. <laughs> so come on now. T- tell me well, Anthony I, Richardson's Joe Burrow. <laughs> uh, I, don't think he, I don't think he's Joe Burrow. Okay? But those were his sixth, seventh, and ninth starts. Okay, so I think when people go, oh, it's his first start, we can't make an excuse for him. Yeah, you can. There are people who have been who have been excellent quarterbacks, including one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen in college, who absolutely laid stink bombs in his first three games against teams that were that were um, that were high quality when he played them. Now, the one thing I will say is, if you look at the Florida game, that was a very close game. LSU forty-one rushes, thirty-two passes against Georgia, fifty-one rushes, thirty passes. And against Alabama because they lost twenty nine nothing, twenty five rushes and thirty five passes. So it was a lot closer. And they beat Georgia that year, though, right? They did beat Georgia thirty six sixteen. Yeah, not because not right. Because yes, of Burrow. right, right. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is, is Burrow had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase on that team. <laughs> so, so show me Jamar Chase and show me Justin Jefferson and tell me that uh, you know that that Florida has those guys on the team and Anthony Richardson struggling, and I'll say okay, look. I don't think Anthony Richardson is going to be Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow was special. I think it was clear in high school. I think it was clear from the Ohio State tape. And God, I wanted Dan Mullen to go after him so bad, which is why I wrote about it before before he decided to go to LSU. I don't think Anthony Richardson is that good. The, but the reason I'm pointing this out is that Joe Burrow struggled when he played top-ranked teams the first year he played in 2018. And then something that UCF did knocked him into the next week, and all of a sudden he was fantastic. And that's actually not true either because he started playing well towards the end of the year. The last four games of the year, he was much, much better. So the first the first nine games of the year, he had a 53.5% completion percentage, and he was averaging less than eight yards per, per attempt. By the time he gets up, and his QB rating was 114. The last four games of the year against Arkansas, Rice, Texas A&M, and Central Florida, QB rating of 173.5. So what I'm saying is Anthony Richardson may end up sucking. I, I have no idea, right? After seeing these two games, I have no idea. But everyone is trying to draw a straight line with two data points. And the data point right now points straight down. And so everybody's going, well, he's terrible. And I don't think that's true. I think young quarterbacks especially have ups and downs. And the question is, how big is that sine wave? And can they even it out? I think we even saw this with Felipe Franks in 2018. He was really bad. The first five, six, seven mm-hmm. games. That Missouri game was about the. So I, I Deke, lied. Deke, I, I, Deke, I said Anthony Richardson Kentucky was game good. in game two. Yeah, well, I, I was going to say that I, <laughs> that the uh, that the Anthony Richardson game might be the worst I've ever seen a Florida quarterback play. But I saw Felipe Franks play against Missouri, and that is by far the worst. I went to that game; it yep. was so miserable, just awful. And so it happens, right? People get better. Now the question is: Is is he going to be Felipe Franks? Or is it going to be Joe Burrow somewhere in between? Those sorts of things, and those aren't. A, that, we can't answer that question right now, and I and I think anyone trying to answer that question right now is is going to claim they were right if it turns out to be bad, and is going to shut up if it turns out to be good, and if it turns out to be good, they're going to claim they were right if they were on the other side, right? And and I just don't think you can make that determination right now. So. I look at again. The reason I point this out is not to say that I think Anthony Richardson's a sure thing to be successful. I think this game puts a lot of doubt in whether that's possible and whether he's going to be a quarterback who can lead Florida to where they need to go. But to be honest, 
that was never going to be what the Napier era was about. The Napier era is not going to be about what Anthony Richardson can do for this team. It's going to be about how can he lead into the next set of players who are going to build championship level pedigree. But, you know, you look at most programs, it's the third, fourth, fifth year that they really start putting their foot on the metal with all those recruits who come in in the first couple of classes. And so Richardson's not going to be around when that happens. And so enjoy it while it's here. Hopefully he gets a lot better. But I think in terms of the overall health of the program, the process of the program, um, a game like this is relatively small potatoes to be honest yep all right well so yeah yeah as you mentioned it you you point out i did i did get that wrong so it is the wrong graphic still but just to just to explain it yes uh i had switched the attempts and completions there but yeah richard it was 14 to 35 yeah it was 4.1 yards attempt so yeah not a little bit, uh, different, a little bit different than 10.2 yes 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 yeah i got the uh I if re- it was 10.2 we wouldn't be comparing we would not be franks we would not be uh yeah and we'd be talking about a, a victory probably so um. Yeah. So there, you know, there's our, our Richardson uh, team. Uh, you know, offense talk just kind of going there. Well, uh, defense. Uh, even your article mo- mostly focused focused on Anthony Richardson there, but definitely an improvement. Uh, starting from on that side of the ball, uh, started off uh, stopping stopping the run uh, pretty well. They let the tight ends get to him early. Adjusted the tight ends didn't do much to him in the second half, but then that's when the running game uh, upticked a bit uh, for Kentucky. But you know it wasn't the run game wasn't put this way. It Florida's defense was still good enough to win the game. Did they get run on in the second half a bit? Yes. Was that the difference in the game? Absolutely not. Um, saw some absolutely extraordinary plays early on by Cox and um, Jervon Dexter. Trey Dean was in early on with some in, in the backfield with some big hits and. Uh, making tackles and in on a sack as well. And then we saw in the second half just some of the, you know, what are they doing that again? <laughs> you know, one run for Kentucky trading gets caught looking inside and it goes for a, a pretty big game. But all in all, Will, that's still, we're talking about improvement. We did see that. We did see the improvement on that side of the ball from game one to game two. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the defense has gotten a lot better. I think clearly they know what they're doing now, which is nice, to not just believe that there's going to be some giant play. The only play that they had was the one big throw that, uh, you know, I'm not sure Key actually came down with that ball. It looked like it hit the ground. There wasn't enough to overturn it, but I think that's, you know, that's just the way it goes, right? You hit a deep pass, Kimber's there, goes up and contests it, actually gets his hand on the ball and sort of dislodges it down, you know, to where there's a question as to whether the guy catches it. That's a heck of a lot different than what we've seen over the past few years. Um, it's interesting. As I was watching it, I was like, God, the defense is gassed. It feels like they've been on the field the whole second half. And then uh, I said that to Nick Newton and he wrote back. He's like, it's been like 25 plays. Like, what is it that Florida's defense is just completely gassed in the second half <laughs> when they haven't really been on the field that long? And, you know, they were not on the field that long. In, in this particular game, maybe in the second quarter, you could argue a little bit, but yeah, I won't necessarily you know, it, think, I don't necessarily think they were worn out. I mean, I mean just, you know, Kentucky did some good things running the ball in the second half, but as I said, it didn't right. kill, it didn't kill Florida. But that's why we were going back and forth about the fourth down plays. Cause those fourth down plays make some sense. Yeah. If you just don't think your defense Correct. has any chance to stop them. And so like, if he'd have made that call at the 40 against Utah in that game where the defense was just getting gashed mm-hmm. and they had no possible way of stopping rising or, or really on Thomas in that game, I go, all right, it's on the, it's on the edge, but I'll buy that. Like, mm-hmm. I think you can go for that as opposed to this one where you're just like, look, the defense has been stopping them. And quite honestly, your best chance to, to, your best chance to score might be a turnover. <laughs> like have them have, or, and I think this is the other thing is 
Kentucky was going to get really conservative if you punted it to them. Yep. And there were going to be a couple. There were going to be a couple of runs to waste your timeouts, and then they were going to either allow Levis to drop back, and you bring the house, and you try to not you try to knock him into next week, and you know they already shown an ability to do that earlier in the game because they absolutely drilled him, and you know you you try to get a guy free and come in and and cause a turnover, or you play coverage in there and you you tell your guys to jump it. Or maybe you have a special coverage where you sit there and say, we're going to try to trick him into thinking he's got something short and, and we're going to jump in front of it, whatever that, whatever the case might be. Um, but the defense was playing it well enough. I think you can look at it and say that was the strength of the team in this game. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that I don't know that that's going to be the strength of the team this year. Right. I don't think it was the strength of the team against Utah, but I think it was the strength of the team in this game. And I think in some ways Napier kind of didn't see that because he had experienced it not being the strength against Utah and decided to put the put the ball in the hands of his offense. So yeah, I mean Cox was unbelievable in that first half. Yeah. Knocking knocking tackles back into running backs. Ooh. You know, he's the one who causes the interception. It's funny. He still doesn't have a sack yet. He's got a half of a or I'm sorry. Yeah, he doesn't have a sack yet. He's got a half a tackle for loss. But but I mean, that's cuz the left tackle gets the tackle for the first one and then Dexter <laughs> gets the interception and he doesn't even get like a he, he doesn't even get a PBU for that. He should get a he should get a pass block or something like that. He has made an impact. Absolutely. And so, Will, I mean, you know, I, since Levis was nine of 10 after that 55 yard touchdown, he completes four passes the rest of the game. Yeah, Levis was uh, so it's funny because I was sitting there going, God, I was wrong like the first quarter right. and a half because yeah. I really thought Levis was going to be eh, sort of pedestrian on the road, like stuff like that. And, and he came out firing. And then all of a sudden he turned into road Will Levis. And I'm like, we're ahead 16 to seven and he's turning into road. Will Levis. And somehow the wheels fell off. I have no idea. You and I were messaging back and forth. We felt good at halftime. Oh my God. Well, I felt good before the interception after the interception. I went, "Eh, I would have liked to have not had that happen, but uh, no, I mean, Amari Bernie looked alive out there. They get a sack from him. You got Dexter who looked very active, especially against the run game very early on. Ventrell Miller goes out with an injury, but he looked pretty good. Trey Dean was all over the place. I mean, for as much as, as uh, people have complained about Dean and and Bernie being back, I think those guys have been integral to what they're doing. This is not a perfect unit. Mm -hmm. And, And I think you're seeing that when they bring in guys like Kamari Wilson, and they bring in guys like even Jason Marshall, but you've got guys like Kimber coming in and, and Desmond Watson and and, young, and those sorts of guys. Yes, yeah, young linebackers that had to be out there because Ventrell Miller's injured, but you know Shamar James, Scooby Williams out there. I mean, so you've got a bunch of young guys in there. They're going to make some mistakes. We knew they were going to make some mistakes. They've been solid overall, and the big thing is, is I don't think that they've necessarily given up a ton of big plays. Like if I look at the explosive plays in this one, you got there's a 22 yard pass to Upshaw, there was a 55 yard pass to Key for the touchdown, and then you had the lucky pass to Magwood that got tipped for mm-hmm. 25, and then you had the and then you had a 22 yard pass to Magwood that extended a drive that's kind of a killer in terms of being able to flip field position and and. Uh, and get him there. But I mean, four explosive plays, Kentucky averaged 4.4 yards per play overall. Um, and then they averaged 2.6 yards per play. If you got rid of the explosives, both of those numbers are really close to what Florida had. This game was lost from the turnovers that Florida got one turnover. Kentucky got two. Florida turned one turnover into a touchdown. Kentucky turned two turnovers into two touchdowns. That's why um, they were able to win the game. And I agree with, with King Seiko has this comment about here about Boone looking good. Boone looked good in the Utah game too. There mm-hmm. were a bunch of opportunities where he was able to find his way back and make rising uncomfortable. One play, in spe- one play specifically I'm remembering where he went inside the left tackle and then uh, Rashad Torrance was coming up on a blitz on the outside and 
Torrance was unable to bring down Rising, but Rising was flushed because Boone had come in and, and forced him out of the pocket. Um, so I think I think we're starting to see the makings of a defense that's going to make people uncomfortable. Can they make Stetson Bennett uncomfortable? That I don't know. But are they going to be able to make the USF quarterback? Are they going to be able to make Hendon Hooker? Are they going to be able to make Spencer Rattler? You know, are they going to make those folks uncomfortable? Absolutely, I think so. But uh, um, you know, I, again, I think at the beginning of the year, I was like, "Hey, look, if this team just ends up having an average defense, you know, maybe they sneak into like the top twenty-five or the top thirty overall in terms of some of the advanced stats." Mm-hmm. I think that would be a successful move from uh, from Todd Grantham to Patrick Tony, especially if they can eliminate just the the catastrophic big plays. And to be honest, we haven't seen many catastrophic big plays so far. They held everybody with the tight ends in check against Utah and Thomas, and then they held everybody but Levis in that first couple of drives. And then Magwood on, you know, quite honestly, that tip pass led to, led to a field goal that, uh, you know, normally that ball either gets picked off or falls to the ground and Kentucky's punting it back to us. So um, sometimes you're unlucky, but, uh, you know, defense overall gave up what? So 26 points and 17 of them were on the offense that so gave up. Yeah. Nine points. I, I, I think if you, if you if your defense average is giving up nine points, you'll live with it. Absolutely. Yep. That's why this one stings a little bit. <laughs> Say, hey, second year in a row where the defense played good enough to win the game, man. Well, that's funny. You said earlier that that, that you know things have improved since the Kentucky game last year. I'm like, nah. It was kind of like looking in a mirror. <laughs> it, it was the same thing, right? Defense is playing well against the Kentucky offense that isn't that great, and uh, you know, offense is sputtering against Kentucky defense that you didn't really think was all that great coming in. Kentucky's offensive line was terrible, and I don't know whether that's because Florida's defensive line was good. I suspect it's because Kentucky's offensive line was terrible because they were terrible against Miami of Ohio too. And Levis was running all over the place. Now I still, I still don't see time. Now I think Anthony Richardson played himself certainly out of being a top 10 draft pick. (laughs) Given (laughs) what some of the preseason game preseason magazines were saying, I think Will Levis played himself out of it too. I don't see any way that guy's a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. And, uh, you know, I look forward to the jets drafting him because that seems like the kind of guy the jets ended up drafting. (laughs) Buffalo bill will right there. I don't know, man. The Jets just seem to take a quarterback who just completely stinks every t- every time they get a top ten pick. So I'm I'm fully expecting Levis to to go there. All right, well, good stuff, Will. I wish you know this was wish wish uh, this was this was better, but you know we'll get back to it. We'll get back to it. I mean, yeah, right, right. Definitely, just want to see improvement versus USF. Just go just go see the team play good. But you know, we'll we'll get our ultimate answers when um. Balls in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I think we're going to get some answers this week because I think the question is going to be: Does Richardson come out and sling the ball around and look accurate, and and is he able to to? Because I was impressed with the way he was able to read the defense against LSU last year. I thought he got tricked by the Georgia defense a couple of times last year, and then threw some bad passes against Georgia as well. I think those were learning opportunities. I think he's going to look at the tape of this one and go, "I'm the reason we lost." And the question is going to be: Is that going to make him tense up? And we saw this last year with Emory Jones. It felt like he would throw an interception and and then everything would sort of snowball from there. And he's going to throw another interception this year. He he has been interception prone. Um, even when he was coming in in, in small spurts for Emory Jones, he's going to throw another interception this year. The question is going to be, can he be like the closer in baseball who gives up a home run and comes in the next day and says, I don't care, I gave up a home run yesterday. I'm going to be better than you today. And a quarterback, you need to have that mentality. And it didn't seem like he had that mentality against Kentucky. And so can he build that? Can he develop that muscle so that the next time he throws a pick 
you know, look, he's going to throw a pick six at some point again. And the question is going to be, can you come out and recover from that? Or are you going to start hesitating and, and, and not necessarily going out and doing everything that you've been taught to do? And I think USF is the first step to that. He's going to go out and there's going to be some adversity at some point along the way in that game. And, you know, the crowd's going to get all pensive and you might hear a couple of boos and, and, and some other things like that. And, you know, it, in some ways, it's kind of helpful that Miller's not there because you don't get the calls for that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, when you're the quarterback at Florida, you're going to have to deal with that. I mean, you know, we all remember Steve Spurrier as being this, these glory days of Florida quarterbacking. In many ways, it was. But Danny Werfel got moved in and out, in and out, in and out there that, that first year he was there. <laughs> so Spurrier was not hesitant to rip somebody out and put somebody else in there. Um and so sometimes that competition is good. Sometimes it, it lights fire under people. Um, and we'll see. I mean, obviously Miller will be back in a couple of weeks. Hopefully we're talking about, geez, let's avoid having him in there because Richardson's had two or three big games. I, I, I think we're going to learn a lot about Richardson this week. I don't think we'll learn a ton about the team. Yeah. I think we're going to learn a lot about Richardson this week. And I think that's probably something that everybody needs to pay attention to. And also in terms of what the overall year will look like is going is to be important. Yeah, I'm not sure how much we'll learn, but to, to, to go along in that regard, you know, he did admit, and I said this yesterday too, the confidence was shot. You know, you don't want to hear that from your, 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 your quarterback out there, especially uh, saying it was shot early. And, you know, we saw it play out that way. And hopefully, you know, wherever we're, whether it's mental, what something's going on, you know, we'll see um, how, he, how he bounces back. But, yeah, I think, you know, for AR, you said we probably can tell. Uh, still, ultimately, you know, if unless it's just an absolute, like you said, garbage performance versus USF, you know, we'll see what happens in Knoxville in a couple of weeks before. Uh, I think one, <laughs> for me at least, before I start go, going and leaning one way or the other. Yeah, well, if nothing else, the wide receivers should be able to get open against USF, right? So the yeah. lack of separation, that sort of stuff shouldn't be an excuse anymore. And to be honest, in college football, it's not really much of an excuse anyway, because if you're good enough at reading defenses, you're going to find people who are open. And that's maybe the one thing I would take solace in when it comes to this performance is there were a lot of misses, but the misses were usually the right guy. Like the one that he the airmailed shoulder on on the post, um, there was the one he threw really hard to Pearsall that Pearsall dropped. There was a little three or four yarder to Henderson, white th- went right through Henderson's hands. There was the hitch to, uh, I think it was Xanders that he just threw too early and mm. was sort of way outside. So you start thinking about the throws that were missed. The only throw that I sit there and say that was terrible from a decision perspective was the pick six. Mm-hmm. Other than that, the decision making, especially in the first couple of in the first two quarters, was not bad. The execution was terrible, but the but the decision making wasn't bad. And usually, when you look at a quarterback who's inaccurate, it's the decision making that's the issue, not not oh he just threw it on a line and he should have put a little bit of touch under that one. So I, I think there's some some learning there. I think he's going to have an opportunity to learn there, and uh, hopefully. Hopefully, because he's making the right decisions on a few of these, um, that's going to fix pretty quickly, especially if you get some guys who are open. Yeah, I'm glad to disagree with Q Lee. He says the Kentucky game is telling us everything. No, it, it tells us something. It does not tell us everything. <laughs> Again, I, I go back to, I go back to the, the science analogy that I'm using. A lot of people take two, two data points and draw a straight line between the two and draw conclusions. And that doesn't mean you're going to be wrong, right? I mean, it may be that we get four or five more data points down in this area and we go, all right, like the person who looked at that data point and said, I saw that all along is right, but not for the right reasons. Again, this goes back to Napier, Napier's process comment where, you know, you look at the process, not the results. And so I think there are some things that when you look at Richardson's performance, you go, throw into the right guy, completely airmailed him. Is that fixable? 
we shall see. Let's see if he can fix it. And, you know, there will be a lot of people who are up on Richardson if he just blows the doors off of USF. But like you said, you're not really going to find out until he goes and plays on the road against the Vols, faces some adversity, and we see what happens. And even then, right, if he has a bad game against Eastern Washington, a bad game against LSU, everybody's going to try to draw conclusions from, from that too. I, I think one of the things, and, and like I said, I have an article coming out on this either tonight or tomorrow, just looking at the the trail of a few different quarterbacks who've gone through a process of development, um, it, it's not a straight line. It, it's up and down. And I'm not sure we all expected it to be quite this down, but that doesn't mean that it can't go back up again. And that's going to be the question is how much more can it go up? How much more consistently can it go up? And then, uh, and then can it go up against elite teams? And look, I mean, if you, if you told me right now that we could trade Anthony Richardson for Emory Jones from Arizona state straight up, sorry, this is the quarterback that I want to see whether he can lead Florida to where Florida needs to go. If it turns out he's not that guy at the end of the year, then, hey, okay, like go get a quarterback in the transfer portal. Go bring in a high school quarterback who's elite. But, you know, I, I think two games is is way too early in this season to be making any determinations one way or the other. Yeah, I don't get the need for a proclamation except for the whole fact, well, see, I told you so. That, that's about the only way I think <laughs> I think about these things right now. I, it's way too early either way. I'm not even saying he's going to turn around, and you may end up being right. I just don't think you can base it off of the Kentucky game. It just, well, I mean, again, this, this sort of goes back Or even if you want to go back to last year when you struggled versus Georgia. Okay, who cares? I mean, everybody go look at KJ. Well, I mean, look, go look at KJ Jefferson's number at Arkansas who's getting all kind of love. Look at his numbers versus Georgia last year. Uh, well, it, it matters and from LSU. the standpoint of it matters from the standpoint of it's a data point, right? Yeah. yeah. But again, if again, if you're going to take the Georgia data point, then the times when he played substantial minutes have to count too, and so that LSU game has to count too, which means now you're looking at, and so you know you put up the stats from those three, and that's fair because that was sort of what you and I had been messaging about earlier today, and so I understand why you put up the stats for those three. However, if you throw the LSU game in there, well, now all of a sudden it's not zero touchdowns and four interceptions, right? It's three touchdowns and six interceptions which isn't great but is better it's he's also got three he's also got four rushing touchdowns if you look at that and he's got a whole he's got a boatload of rushing yards and i'll tell you what the one thing that i will say about this game that i did learn is that anthony richardson is just a different animal when it comes to two-point conversions like <laughs> that two-point conversion was ridiculous the two-point conversion last week was ridiculous and he had a two-point conversion against lsu last year that was ridiculous and so from an athletic ability standpoint when his athletic ability is allowed to take over he he's shown an ability to really do some things that other people can't. Can you harness that? That's a different question. And how do you harness it? And how do you get the most out of it? <laughs> That's for Napier to figure out. And maybe he can, maybe he can't. But you know, there's a reason why coming in. Like Todd McShay didn't have him as a potential top ten draft pick coming into this game because he's a terrible player. He said though he he needs to develop. And obviously, I don't think McShay saw this coming either. But you know, the question is, how do you respond? And and I think that's what we're going to see against USF is how does he respond? And I'm really interested to see that, actually, because, you know, fighter gets knocked down. If he gets up and he's woozy, he just sort of puts his hands down and gets drilled again. Okay, well, you know, yeah, then then that's a problem. If he gets up, gets mad, figures out why he got hit and 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 goes back and, and, and fights again, well, that's somebody you admire. So I think we're going to see that from Richardson. I think we're going to see a good performance against USF, and I'm looking forward to it. Yep, yep, me too. We'll see. We'll be there and see where it goes there uh, for Anthony Richardson and some kind of rebound, some kind of bounce back. As we said, you know, we'll, uh, one point, you know, one point, it wasn't just him uh, who played bad, but dude, when the quarterback plays good and 
Billy Napier even said that. Well, everybody else looks good, and that's just kind of the nature of quarterbacking. <laughs> you pick up the other 10 players that you're on the field with. So um, hoping, you know, he bounces back uh, and got a, a tune, hopefully what we can still call a tune-up game. Um, if without, you know, no bad performance out there, get the tune-up before Tennessee, who did beat Pitt last week, had to come back. They didn't start off that game uh, good. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Yeah, well, no rat poison after this week. No so rat poison. They, they, yeah. will, they, will, they will definitely be ready, I'm sure, for USF and, and for Tennessee. Look, I mean, this Florida team has a lot to prove now, and I think that's going to be one of the questions too is you know, Napier even talked about it, that, that a loss allows you to refocus or forces you to refocus, whereas a win may not. And You know, there were a lot of stu- – like, to be honest, the interceptions were terrible, but you know what actually changed this game? The stupid holding penalty on the kickoff after the safety. <laughs> Like that absolutely like keep doing it and yep. they keep returning kickoffs and you got to return the kickoff on the safety because you can get the ball at the 40 or 45 yard line if you return it. But for the love of Pete, just like tell the guy to get out of the way and let him tackle your returner <laughs> because <laughs> you're getting the ball at the 35, 40 yard line, no matter what. Instead, Florida takes over the, with the ball, at like the 18 or 19 yard line and you get the turnover and Kentucky's at the six. Like if you get the ball at the 41, you take a very different tact. I think yeah. moving down the field, but the other is, is that, the even with a turnover, then Kentucky's like in field goal range, maybe, but they're not sitting there right at the goal line. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that's so. been another thing about the turnovers is the pick six, uh, and not just AR going back to last week versus Utah. Montreux Johnson's you know, fumble goes all the way back to the 25. I mean, this defense has been put in some <laughs> in some bad spots, giving up, giving up some points because of these turnovers. Well, and that's the brutal part. If you look at Richardson's games against Georgia and Kentucky, he's he's got. Oh yeah, that's so, right. You sent me that stat today. Yeah, we'll we'll almost we'll end it on this almost. Yeah, we'll end on this. He had he has three starts in those three starts. A QB rating of eighty six point one, three touchdowns offensively, three tackles, averaged fifteen points per game. The turnovers that he's had have given the opposition the average starting field position of the Florida ten yard line. And the, the opposition's averaging 11.7 points per game on turnovers thus far in his three starts. That has to change, yeah. right? And if you told me, Anthony Richardson, we're going to take the ball out of his hands, we're going to make him more of a game manager, those sorts of things, I don't know that you win big doing that, but I think you win more possibly doing that just because if they don't turn the ball over against Kentucky, they win that game easily. Um, he didn't turn the ball over against Utah, and they won that game, and his athletic ability was able to take over. But again, this is sort of the good and the bad with Richardson is is he's going to turn the ball over. He is showing a proclivity to do that. Part of Napier's job is going to be getting him to take better control, better care of the ball, and we'll see whether he can do that because 11, you know, 12 points per game on turnovers that you're giving up, that's eh, probably going to be a problem. Got a field goal kicker, looks like. <laughs> well, way to look on the bright side, Dave. There we go. <laughs> Defense played good, and we, we we unearthed the field goal kicker. So there we go. Yeah, well, I, I go back to, like, if you think about what expectations were coming into this year. Mm-hmm. Like, did we think Florida was going to win 10 games? Nope. No. Do they still have an opportunity to win 10 games? Maybe. Did we think Florida was going to win the SEC East? Nope. Nah, I picked them second. Most people picked them fourth. So if they end up finishing third, is that a successful season? I think this sort of goes back to the Utah game raised all of our expectations. Yep. And I think rightly so. The team played very, very well against Utah. And 
you know, the expectations have now been lowered yeah. <laughs> from the Kentucky game. And, you know, does that mean we've gone up one rung and down one rung? Or what it feels like is we went up one rung and down about five. Yeah. Well, here's I don't the thing, know here's, going down five is the, is the reasonable conclusion to draw from the two games. Yeah. Well, a week ago it was, you know, it, it's, you know, it was the overreaction. Well, what defense is the same old defense. They won't get better. All right. They get better the, the, the very next game. They play a better game the very next game. Now it's, AR is who he is. We've seen enough. He can't get better. Well, didn't the defense just prove, you know, I mean, it's still early in the season. This is not an ultimatum. This is not a, you know, the referendum on who Anthony Richardson's going to be. You know, we were slightly, the, the defense was slammed by a few last week, and it's the same. We're still going to struggle. Kentucky's going to run all over us because Utah did. Well, they did it. And now there's a chance for Anthony Richardson to bounce back, much like the defense did. Uh, I'll tell you the other thing is that there was that story going around about Richardson after the game, going out and throwing with a bunch of kids, taking mm-hmm. pictures with them and that sort of stuff after the game. And, uh, you know, again, I, I'm assuming that's a true story, but that's a guy I want to root for right. whether or not, whether or not he ends up being fantastic. That's the guy I want to root for. And, you know, I felt the same way about Felipe Franks, though when he shushed the crowd, I was a little bit like, "All right, buddy, like, like, <laughs> let, like let's 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 do this when we're not 14 points behind South Carolina." But then all of a sudden, he won like five straight games. So uh, you know, Richardson's just a guy I want to root for. And you think about last year, he could have caused a lot of problems in terms of sniping and causing infighting and all sorts of stuff. And he and he and Jones were very good friends and, and didn't do that to each other. And I think that says something about his character. So, you know, you start combining all these different stories together about him being a Gainesville kid, about sort of the way he reacted to the loss. He took responsibility for it, right? He didn't go out there and say, well, I thought the game plan should have been better. You know, I did some good things and you guys are going to ignore the good things that I did. He came out there and said, I laid a dud. This is on me. I, really don't want to watch the film because it's going to be tough to watch because I know this one's on me and I'm going to be better. And so I look at that and go, okay, let's take him at his word. He's going to go watch the film. He's going to be better. And if he is, then I think we need to give him all the credit. So all the energy that's going in to being critical of him, um, hopefully we'll turn around when all of a sudden he puts up a good performance against LSU or even Georgia or A&M. Because one thing we did learn this weekend is nobody in the SEC is unbeatable. Mm. And, you know, you, you think about Alabama struggling with Texas. I didn't really think Texas was going to be all that good. You think about A&M losing to Appalachian State. You think about LSU losing to Florida State. I don't think you or I think Florida State is going to be all that good. You think about even Notre Dame losing to Marshall. Mm-hmm. So all the, and, and Ohio State being close to, to Notre Dame. And, you know, so it, there are two things there. I'm really interested to see what happens to Notre Dame this week because I suspect that the loss to Ohio State carried over into the game against into the game mm-hmm. against Marshall and turned into that loss. And I do wonder how much of the win against Utah carried over for Florida into this game against Kentucky. You just these are young kids. They don't know any better. It's hard to get up emotionally for two games in a row. It's one of the reasons why what Alabama does it's it's one of the reasons why what Alabama does is so impressive. Because they just go out there and murder people day after month or week after week after week after week. And then they win a game against Texas that's close and we're like, oh, what's wrong with Alabama? And the message boards are saying Saban's washed up and needs to go. And and all that sort of stuff. And you don't realize how hard it is to win in this conference. I mean, there is a reason why the teams that recruit the best in the SEC win all the time. It's because it turns out when you have better players, you don't have to be on an emotional high to play a fantastic game. And Kentucky came in ready to take it to Florida, and and Florida wasn't able to match that intensity. And and then, obviously, with the quarterback play, just wasn't able to get the job done. Yeah, and that was a you know a victory over Utah to start, you know, to kick something off where – 
Last year, you didn't have that feeling. And, you know, game one, so there, yeah, there was probably a lot of elation. You would love to think it didn't play, you know. The, in a way, you would love to hope it played a factor because that means Florida may be a little bit better. But at the same time, you wished it had not played a factor. But Well, again, I'd rather have Anthony Richardson than Haynes King at quarterback right now. Man. I'd, I'd rather have Richardson than Jaden Daniels. I'd rather have Richardson than um, TJ Finley. Like, there are, there are quarterback situations in the SEC more dire than what Florida has. Does he need to be better? Absolutely. And I think he will be. And if he's not, then, you know, we'll come on here and we'll, we'll tell you specifically that, he, that, he, that, mm-hmm. that it's time to make a change. I don't think we're at that point yet. I think how he responds will tell us a lot about not just him, but about this Florida Gators team. Because I think what you're going to see is a bunch of folks sort of, you know, gathering around Richardson and stepping up to help him. And, and hopefully that's what we see against USF and certainly on the road against Tennessee. Yep. A lot of, a lot of owning up to it after the game, but, you know, eventually. Stats and wins and performance matters, so hopefully all that kind of correlates, formulates into Anthony Richardson turning this bad performance around against USF this week. All right, uh, as you heard Will say, uh, article coming out today, tomorrow. Um, much of a USF preview, Will, is it more detailing about Richardson? Nah, so this one's going to be Richardson-specific, and then we'll have a preview out later in the week. All right, sounds good. Readreaction.com and follow Will on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.